The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, 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 and thank you for coming back and listening to me talk about dance this week. I It's been a busy week, lots going on. I had the opportunity to actually give a career and social media marketing workshop for the graduating class uh, in the dance department at Hunter College in New York, which was lots of fun and very exciting. Um, and beyond that, I've continued choreographing at Cello Point, and i also teaching my regular ballet, advanced beginner ballet class at Broadway Dance Center, 6 p.m. on Fridays. Um, but I've also added three more classes for any of you that are dancers that are in New York City or heading into New York City. Uh, throughout the rest of May, I will be teaching on Fridays a an intermediate contemporary class at Steps on Broadway at 11.30 a.m. And on Sundays, I will be adding an advanced intermediate contemporary jazz class at Steps on Broadway at 3.30 p.m. And then at Broadway Dance Center, I'm going back to the basics and I'm giving a basic ballet class at 6 p.m. at Broadway Dance Center. So per usual, you know, if you want to come and take my class, come take it and make sure that you let me know that you're one of my listeners. All right. Um, also, I had uh, something happen this, this past week that I'm quite proud of. Um, I have I keep a list of goals, which I'm going to talk about on today's podcast. But I keep a I keep a list of goals um, that I regularly update, and I actually was able to check two really big goals off of my list this past week, <laughs> which is I, I'm very proud of this. Um, so. I was asked to pitch a story for Dance Magazine to write, and so in typical Barry fashion, instead of just pitching one story, I pitched a few stories, and I gave them the option to choose which one they liked, and they, they asked me to write a story about how I have been traveling back and forth from Philadelphia to New York City to uh, better my career possibilities. I'm called a super commuter. So uh, I wrote an article about myself and also a friend that I've met along the way um, that also is a dancer and um, how we have used super commuting to from Philadelphia to New York City to improve our career options and to talk about how we do it and all the success that we've had since we've done it. So if you get a chance, you should go to dancemagazine.org where they've been, they updated their website and they're doing a lot of new online content. And if you search for my name, Barry Corollis, you will see uh, my article that I wrote, which is called Why I Became a Dancing Super Commuter. So head on over there and check that out.
Okay, so let's get back to that goal thing. This week's episode, I want to talk a little bit about how you can um, set goals for yourself and improve yourself and a, a structure that I've gone through for a while. So we are going to talk about retreats. <laughs> I had never heard the word retreat used for anything aside from, I don't know, a tropical vacation uh, until I became a liaison for Pacific Northwest Ballet's uh, Young Patron Group backstage pass. I don't believe that they still have this group, but it was a group of tw- it was a group for 21 to 39 year old uh, dance patrons. Um, and the, the organization really used it to help cultivate a younger audience uh, to come to the ballet because at, at a period of a certain period of time, most of the audience was probably like in their 40s and up. So they created this group, which I was so happy and proud to be a part of. I was a part of this group for, I think it was like five years while I was there. Um, but so as the liaison for this group, my responsibilities were to get dancers to come to events, to go to the board meetings, and to go speak at events and just connect, help connect everybody together. So, my first year that I was a part of this group, they asked me if I would attend their uh, their yearly retreat. Um, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, so, what we ended up doing was we set aside an entire day to sit around a table where we would go through the bylaws of the group. And we wrote a loose plan of events and goals for the group, of, uh, the gr- the group over the entire following season. So, it was, it was really like an intensive period where we would get together and we would talk about our goals for the group. And then we would start to uh, set a, a layout of where things would fall, who we delegate the responsibilities to, and a lot of things beyond that. So for for many of you that have been listening to me talk here <laughs> for over a year, um, you'll know that after I left Pacific Northwest Ballet, I joined Ballet X in Philadelphia, and I was fired because of a, an injury, and there's more of that story. But if you want to know about that, you can listen to past podcasts. But so I ended up freelancing, and I got into the cycle of freelancing where I was never staying home, and uh, I hadn't come to terms with what had happened with Ballet X, and I was sort of just like running. I was just going, 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 and I never really stopped to assess what had happened. And there was a period where, about a year before I I stopped freelancing, where I was really, really burnt out. And I I was just having trouble determining what was my next step, what was I doing, what were my goals, and I was just really quite lost. And I I was lucky that I had my husband by my side to support me because he turned to me one day and he was just like, you know, you should give yourself a retreat. And I was like, what is a retreat? And he was like, you should go and sit somewhere and you should assess your goals and then just figure out what you want to do with those goals and how you're going to achieve them. And it was funny because I had done this before as a group, but I had never thought of doing this on my own as an individual. I thought this was a tool that was only... uh, used by boards of organizations or boards within organizations. Um, So I thought about it and I I was like, wow, that's really, really great advice. Um, And funny side note, really great advice. I do retreats all the time and my husband doesn't. And now he has asked me to teach him how to do retreats. But he planted the seed. I let it grow into a beautiful flower and now I get to help others. And I want to help you. So I want to I want to give you a, a, a kind of a foundational layout for you 
to have a retreat. Um, so that you can, wherever you are in different stages, whether it's in your dance career, whether it's a career that's not dance related, whether it's choosing colleges or whether it's choosing to go to school or to go to dance professionally, whatever you need to do, I'm going to offer my suggestions on how you can at least consolidate your thinking to help you reach those goals. So, for me, the first step in having a really great retreat is to sort of, I, before I go to the retreat, I like to brainstorm a couple of ideas of, of what I, I need to assess. So, for instance, if I go back a couple of years, I had been freelancing for a while, but I wasn't sure if, if I wanted to retire from performing or if I wanted to uh, go back into a a professional company and and get a contract where I'd be working with the same company over and over again. I wasn't sure if I wanted to focus on my choreography and teaching or any mix of that that in between. So I I might have wrote, written down um, and I, I usually come with I don't do this uh, digitally or on on a computer. I do this uh, I write it down old school in a notebook, which is funny because my hand always gets sore because I'm so not used to writing now. <laughs> but I do it old school. Um, so I'll, I'll come up with a couple of topics. Maybe do I want to continue dancing or I'll do a pro and con. I'll, I'll, I'll make a topic like pros and cons of joining a company again. Or at that time I, I wanted to stay home, but I was afraid I wouldn't get to dance if I stayed home. So it was pros and cons of staying home. So uh, I didn't have to have everything set up before I went, but it was just nice to have a couple things in case it took me a while to get in the flow of things. So, okay, after I did just a little bit of prep work, for me, one of the most important things, I mean, any, you can do this any way you want, but I like this way. One of the most important things for me to do was to find a location somewhere that I felt like I was already exploring. Because I think of a retreat almost like an exploration of your goals. Um, and uh, that exploration, <laughs> there's a lot of evaluation and analysis. So, um, I like to find a place that I've never been before. And for me, as you can hear in my intro every week, I always tell you to grab a cup of coffee. It's because a not so little secret about myself is that I am uh, just a complete total coffee addict. Plus, living in Seattle for seven years, you kind of get used to that coffee shop culture. So for me, I feel very relaxed and comfortable in a coffee shop. So I would suggest that you find a place that you can feel very relaxed at. Maybe it's in a park. Uh, maybe it's in, I don't know if you have a big house, if it's in a certain room in your house, although I prefer not to stay somewhere comfortable. I like to go somewhere where you feel like you're pushing your boundaries. So I'll typically look for uh, a coffee shop in a neighborhood that I've never been before um, or one that I've been wanting to go to for a while but I haven't gone to. Um, and I will maybe leave a little bit of time beforehand to explore the neighborhood or a little bit of time afterwards. So I don't feel like I'm going there completely just to work. I feel like it's almost like I'm relaxing into it. It doesn't feel as much pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself in everything I do. It creates a lot of anxiety. So I like to try to avoid that so that these retreats feel stress-free and they, they feel like an, uh, a relaxing uh, process. So 
From there, once I arrive at the location, I make sure that I have anywhere from three to six hours to just sit. And I, I don't often stay that entire time. Usually my retreats are two to three hours. Um, but I have had one or two where I really just had to put a lot of thought. Or even if I needed a break and I just wanted to sit and have coffee. Um, and I, I, those few times I've spent five to six hours. But for the most part, I do. I, I, I spend two to three hours. And I do these every three months if I can. So... Alright, I show up on the location, I scout out a spot, uh, I, if, I try to make sure that I go to a coffee shop that doesn't have too much loud music playing, um, but if worse comes to worse, I, I come prepared with a playlist so that I can put my headphones in, um, and then I go and I order my coffee, and I sit down, and I turn off all of my devices, because that's a very important thing. In a retreat, like, like for instance, with the backstage pass retreat at Pacific Northwest Ballet, we would go, uh, I remember one time one of the, the board members was a realtor, and they had a conference room at their real estate office uh, that we went to, and we brought food, and there was even wine there, so it was, it was kind of like a place where we could be without distraction. So it's really important that you turn off all of your devices um, and that you just really shut out if you could get any messages, text messages or phone calls that could distract you or any Facebook notifications or Instagram or anything like that. So I always turn my phone and my iPad onto uh, airplane mode before I start. So from there, I pull out my notepad and the first thing that I do is I do an assessment of my previous goal. So the first time that you do a retreat, you may not need to do that. Maybe you've had some goals in mind that you've never written down, but uh, you you can write down an assessment of those goals. See what that I like to do that because, uh, especially as I continue to, to do these retreats, it, it shows me how much progress I've made because. I, I talk about this in ballet class a lot, and it's also just when you're growing up. When you're growing up, for instance, and you go through puberty, you look, you see yourself in the mirror every day. You can't necessarily see that you're growing and that you're changing until, I don't know, six months, a year, two years later, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I grew six inches, and look how my, my face has changed and my body has changed. Or uh, in ballet or contemporary dance or modern dance or whatever type of technique you, you, you train in, uh, you don't necessarily see your improvement day to day because you see yourself in the mirror every day. Maybe six months later you see a video of yourself performing and you go, wow, I've improved so much. So. The same thing here, it's more of a, a mental thing, but it's the idea that you can't necessarily note your improvement unless you have big, exciting things happen. Um, so if you are able to assess previous goals and you look back and you go, wow, I, I can't believe that I, I did that, I didn't realize I did, it, it can help motivate you to continue moving forward. Um, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but... Uh, the eh, I'll get back to that. I don't want to give you give away that little secret yet. So okay. So now what I do before I even start writing any any other notes, I go from page to page to page to page, and at the top I put a header with an underline, and it's those topics that I was telling you about earlier. So if I'm gonna flip through, you might hear some paper flipping, but I'm gonna tell you what I did in my last retreat back in March. So a couple of topics I had. What have I been doing well? 
So that way, when I get to that and I want to write it down, I, I can list what I feel like I've been doing well. I also did what could I have done better. And then from there, I, I evaluated my experience in teaching at NYU and how that how, how it was a great opportunity, but it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. If you go back to one of my previous podcasts over the past couple of weeks, you can hear about that there. Um, so I'm not going to go into too much detail there. But then from there, so uh, I had applied for a fellowship through a different program at New York University to develop a contemporary dance technique training program for ballet dancers where it's a four semester program. I feel that uh, the contemporary dance training in for pre-professional ballet dancers is not very strong and I would like to be one of the people to change that. So I applied for a fellowship at this this program, the ballet, the Center for Ballet and the Arts at NYU, and I didn't get the the fellowship, and I really had my hopes high for this. So I was pretty disappointed about this this not getting that that fellowship. So I assessed if I should still go ahead with that contemporary technique plan, and then if I should reapply. So you can start to see now how I, it's not just like I go, oh, you're doing well, or oh, everything's horrible. How can I fix it? It's really just a, a combination of what's been on my mind. Next, I, I wanted to talk a little bit to myself about uh, my husband and my move to New York and, and just assessing, because over the last year and a half, the reason I've been commuting, uh, so the talk talking about the Dance Magazine article, the reason I've been super commuting is because my husband and I are planning to move to New York soon. Um, so I wanted to assess that. And then sometimes I get into more emotional things, not necessarily just events that have happened to me or goals that I have, but uh, my, my mental state can go up and down depending on what's going on in my life. So for instance, I wrote, what am I confident in here? Next up, I, I did a list. Where do I want my work to go? So this is kind of like a future planning type situation. So I, I assessed my choreography, I assessed my teaching, I, I assessed my media and my social media work, and I went from there. Um, and then I, I had a couple other topics. But in the past, just to give you a couple more ideas of things, when I was burnt out, I was, I was anxious and I was stressed and my mental state was just very all over the place and I, I, I just had so much anxiety about things and I couldn't get rid of it. And for me, my goal was really just how can I not just improve my work, but how can I be a better person? How can I be less stressed? What is causing stress in my life? What am I reacting to that I don't need to react to? There, there were lots of topics that I would go through. So, Getting back on, on the train here, <laughs> I take all these topics, I write as many out as I can. Some of them I've written down, some of them come to me as, I, as I'm in the retreat. And then when I'm ready, I go back to the beginning and I start writing. Sometimes I will write an entire list of things and uh, I will move on to the next topic only when I'm complete. And other times I'll jump back and forth. It really is open to whatever you see as being the the best way for you to actually assess everything. So it, you don't need to go into a retreat thinking like, this is what Barry Carolla said on his podcast, and you have to follow this structure. There's a lot of give and take in this, and it's really your own personal uh, way that works best for you. So, so just use this, all of this framework as a guideline for you to, to do this. Don't feel that you have to get stuck in one way or another. But so let's go back again. So I'm flipping through my pages again. So 
Uh, let's see. Okay, what have I been doing well? I, I did a list of like 10 things. Um, I, I noted that I've gotten lots of great new opportunities since the new year, and I listed those things. Um, I also handled a stressful situation that was relating to work um, that in, instead of ending with sour feelings, we actually ended with a better relationship. Um, I also talked about how I'd been taking class on a regular basis where uh, for a period of time I was giving myself class at the gym and it was it was good for me at first but then I was starting to lose motivation and I thought that I didn't want to take class anymore and then all of a sudden I could see writing this down that wow I actually was taking class multiple times a week and I was enjoying it so that was good and then if you look at my what could I have done better um, I had been having some hip and back pain that I wasn't assessing. Um, I didn't feel that I could afford to go to a physical therapist. So I was just going regularly to the chiropractor. Um, but I, I, I didn't necessarily take care of that when I felt that I should have. So that gives you an idea of those things. So what I do is I go through all of those and I write as much as I feel that I can or as much as I want to. Sometimes I do a little and then I come back and I finish it. Sometimes I do it and I leave it blank because I'm just not inspired to write. Like I said, these retreats are really no-stress situations. If I finish my cup of coffee and I want another one, I don't think twice about it. I just go and get another one. It's really... I, I, I try to keep this as, as fluid and as comfortable, and it's, it's all about me. Um, and that's the thing with these retreats. It, a lot of times it's looked upon, people look upon other people uh, being selfish as a negative thing. But there's so many people on this earth that, yes, we have selfish moments, but we also have times where we're just giving, 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 giving. And Doing a retreat for yourself, it's such a positive thing because, what's that saying? It's, uh, you can't help anybody else unless you help yourself. Um, and this is definitely one of those situations where I feel that you are really helping yourself. And if you do this, you can give more in the end. Actually, I was just talking to a dancer recently, not going to offer their names because it was involved in a, a recent article that I saw about a company losing a handful of dancers. But... Um, they were saying how they, they felt that they needed to stick around for their community, but my, my advice that I gave them was that you really, truly cannot be generous with others unless you are generous for yourself. You, you have to take care of yourself. And I feel that when I take care of myself more, that I actually want to give back more. So really, you can use these retreats for such great things, and I feel like you will be that much, uh, not just better for yourself, emotionally, but you'll also be able to help other people out um, because you will have taken care of yourself and you will have more of your, uh, you'll have more, more of your life in order after you do these things. I, I'm not just an advocate for this. I, 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 I feel that this is something that everybody should experience, which I guess makes me an advocate. So <laughs> take it or leave it. All right. So then after I've done all of these, I usually actually go back through them again and I read what I've written. Um, and the reason that I do that is because I want to take all of the information that I've just gotten out of my head and put on the paper and I want to make my goal list. So um, this goal list is very important because um, Going back to, I was going to say this earlier, but I want to say it now. So, 
I remember, uh, I think it was my first or second year dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet. Um, and one of the dancers that joined the company the year that I joined the company, Jessica Onspock, who uh, she's written a handful of articles for Dance Magazine. She uh, recently retired from the company and Dance Magazine ran an article about her talking about her experience uh, dancing for quite a long time in the core. Um, and we always <laughs> we 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 always found ourselves in similar situations so we had bonded a lot so um through that i'd become friends with her parents as well and after a uh, a gala performance i remember i don't remember exactly what we were talking about but i remember talking to jessica's dad and i was young i was probably 20 or 21 at this time and i will remember this forever because it really did change my life he told me you, if you want to achieve anything, you have to write it down. And I, I remember just sort of blinking my eyes and being like, okay. And he's like, no, 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 you need to listen to me. He said, it's too easy to forget the things that you want to achieve in your life because there are so many distractions that get in the way. So you need to have your goals written down so that you can go back to them in case you lose track or you get off track and that you can achieve those goals or you can keep on working or you, on them or you can tweak them and keep on evolving them. And I cannot stress how important that that conversation was and how I, I do believe it is very, very true. So whenever I get some wisdom, I hope to pass that wisdom on to you. <laughs> so the last thing that I do is I write a list of goals so that I, I have an idea of what I'd like to accomplish. So I always do 10 goals. You don't have to do 10 goals, but I always do 10 goals. I'm a, I, you know me, I'm an overachiever, so I, I never reach all 10 of these goals, but I usually reach at least one of them. <laughs> Sometimes I reach three or four of them by the next one. And then when I do my next retreat, I get to look back at those goals, assess them, and decide if I want to move these goals forward to this goal list or if I want to leave them behind. And then maybe years down the road, I go back through my retreat journals, which I do. And I sometimes bring them off of that dusty shelf and I put them back on my goal list. So let's look at what my goals are as of mid-March. So we're in May. I'll probably do another retreat in another month or so. Um, so my first goal is to develop uh, the second semester of my contemporary dance technique. So I've already got the first semester developed. I hope to have four. And although I didn't get the fellowship at NYU, I'm going to continue to move forward with my plan to do that. And I, I also want to make sure that I reach out to five choreographers for interviews to help me develop that so that it is not just my idea of a technique, but it is a, uh, a group helping me do that. Next, I, uh, my, my second goal is I want my husband and myself to move to New York City between the 15th of September and the 15th of October. Uh, beyond that, I'm hoping to create an ebook uh, with a compilation of my blogs so that they're easier to access and to sell that on Amazon. I want to travel internationally again. I would love to teach internationally or choreograph internationally. I have never uh, gotten to share my art in a, on an international level. So we have that. Also, I want to have two more commissions, one ballet and one contemporary. So I've already achieved half of that. I've already done one. 
one there. Um, I, I've been commissioned by Cello Point, and I'm already working with them. Um, I'm not going to read every single one, but another one that I that I. I, another goal that I listed, and that this is one that has gone from, I can't tell you how long it's been on my list, but I wanted to be featured by Dance Magazine, and I wanted to write an article for a major dance publication, and I killed two birds with one stone in the last week by getting to write that, that feature article um, for Dance Magazine. Um, I mean, how often do you get to tell your story? the way that you want to. I mean, I'm just so excited. So as you can see, these retreats, they work. And you it's it's so gratifying to, yes, it, there's effort involved and you do have to put some time aside and it, you might feel like you're working on one of your days off. But it's so gratifying to look back and see in writing that you are achieving your goals. So I strongly suggest it doesn't matter if you're 12 years old, if you're 18 years old about to make the decision to go to college or have a dance career, whether you are in the middle of your dance career and you want to become a principal dancer with a company, or if you are transitioning outside of your performance career and don't know if you want to continue in the dance field or go into go back to school and go into another professional field, or if you're just trying to decide <laughs> anything else in your life, really, you can use these retreats for anything. Um, and I, they have been so valuable as a part of, of my, my work and my career. And I really don't think I would be able to push myself as far as I have if I, if my husband actually didn't turn to me when I was really depressed and lost and burnt out and offer me to, to look into doing a retreat for myself. So if you have any other questions about how to go how to go about doing a retreat um please do reach out to me i'm happy to offer any advice to help you along your path whatever your path might be so i think that that is plenty of information for you i don't think that there's uh, really much more that I need to say about that. So we are going to tie up this episode and that we are going to cue the <laughs> outro. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorlis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. You can find those at premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollas, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollas featuring my choreography and Choreography, that's Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. 
I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.